Welcome to C-Suite Radio. Idly hey! Welcome to another episode of The Brett Allen Show. Prepare to be astonished! A pop culture podcast. Join Brett Weekly as he interviews your favorite celebrities from film, <gasps> oh, television, I'm back in business, baby. comedy, and much more. Inconceivable! Plus, you never know who will stop by. Dude, we are so gonna party! Now, here is your host, Brett Allen. It's another episode of The Brett Allen Show. Thanks for watching and listening and being a part of today's episode. I am very excited about our conversation today. We are talking about Metal Lords, uh, which will be available on Friday on Netflix to stream. I've had an opportunity to watch part of this, but our guests today, they are in this amazing project and they just absolutely knock it out of the park. This is such a fun film. And I'm excited for people to see it. Annalisa, thanks for hanging out today. I appreciate it. Hi, thank you for having me. Now, this is a lot of fun. And again, like I mentioned, I, I've been able to watch just little bits and pieces of this. But from what I understand, this was a project born out of the pandemic and the lockdown. Is that correct in my assumption on that? Okay, good. <laughs> yes. yes, we shot this entirely in, in the peak of everything in 2020. It was a scary but exhilarating time to do a metal movie. Well, I mean, it's, I don't know. I think it, it, I would agree with you, yes. However, uh, you know, <laughs> it's just a lot of fun, to be honest. Like, it's a good time. And I think people are really going to... Uh, enjoy this when they get an opportunity to watch it um and uh essentially you know it sort of follows these group of teens uh who decide to start a metal band and set out to win the battle of the bands uh you play the amazingly talented kendall uh and uh can you let people in on your character a little bit and what they can expect uh, when they have an opportunity to watch it. One of the more complicated teenage characters I think I've seen born out of a movie like this, DB does a fantastic job of writing this ensemble of characters more complicated than they appear stereotype-wise. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah, Kendall is a little bit on the outs of this popular group that exists at this high school but very much from the moment you meet her, you realize that she is absolutely desperately searching for something bigger and something something to glom onto that is more herself. She has no idea who she is, essentially. Uh, and when she meets Kevin and some of these other metal kids, she's able to realize that there might be something outside of the popular kids that, that maybe is weird and different, but could be more like her. And there's a lot of themes in this film, and we're, we're dealing with you know, just sort of the social landscape of teenagers and sort of, I don't know, the things that teenagers deal with, I guess would be the best way to describe it. Relationships, uh, you know, just sort of trying to figure things out. There's a big bug flying in front of me. Um, and in any case, I digress. So again, we said this project came about for you sort of born out of the pandemic and you guys were super brave and super amazing and went and put this together. Um, how long does it take to film a project like this? Because I imagine during that time, you're you're obviously being safe and that sort of thing, but you're really also probably uh, wanting to like get things done as quickly as possible uh, because of time constraints and sort of the difficulties that came along with initially of 
doing something uh, during this crazy time? It was definitely scary. I think it was less Netflix is incredible and they did an absolute amazing job at keeping all of us safe. It was more the personal responsibility that I think weighed on a lot of us, especially in the cast, because so much of filming requires us not to be wearing our masks. Right. Where people like DB and Peter Sillette were really taking one for the team. I mean, they had N95s taped to their faces for (laughs) 15 hours a day sometimes. And a lot of that personal responsibility weighed on us to keep everyone else safe as well. When we're the ones almost being more exposed or exposing more people, But pretty much what would happen is we would have a big day, like a party scene or, um, you know, battle, the battle of the band scene, things like that. And we pretty much would go home and pray and knock on every wood piece that we had that we weren't going to get an email that said somebody tested positive. We have to shut down for two weeks. And it happened a lot, but we took the proper precautions. And I mean, like I said, Netflix was just so quick. If you were anyone, if you were, if it was an extra or someone on the crew, if you crossed paths with them, they had an email ready to go. This is what you need to do. We're sending testing over, um, you know, please quarantine everything. It was, it was really fantastic. The only issue was just that little bit of fear in the back of your head that said, are we going to be able to finish this? every time we would get delayed another two weeks. But we did. Uh, we, we finished it. And like I said, from what I've seen, it's really a lot of fun. Um, again, just bits and pieces of it. But I'm very fascinated by you because you do a lot of different things. You're super talented. Um, let's talk about this three-part young adult book series that you're working on uh, titled The Only Series. Uh, because I think this is great. Yeah, it's uh, it's something that also was born out of the pandemic. You know, we all were, I think, struggling to find things to do and to keep our time busy, especially as artists, when the pandemic hit. And it was like, hey, don't leave your house. You know all those auditions, in-person auditions yeah. and meetings you used to go to? You're not doing any of that. Uh, and I've been writing for a long time. Uh, I have a writing partner who we, we work on TV shows and, and feature film scripts, and we've done some ghostwriting. But I had no idea how to write a novel. And it was something that when the pandemic hit, I said, well, I have all the time in the world now to figure it out. And it just kind of was born out of the fact that I wrote the first one. And it was all supposed to be about this really traumatic thing happens to this teenage girl. But the the book doesn't end with the traumatic thing happening and ending. It it is seen through to the end. And we actually get to see this character get the help that they need and find catharsis in in working through the trauma, which I don't think a lot of young teenage girls have. And after I wrote the first one, I thought, well, not everyone is going to like a true crime thriller book. I mean, there are teenage girls who (laughs) like different genres. And so that was where the idea of making it this three-part series that spans across different time periods and different genres. Uh, so essentially you're following three different teenage girls in 1991, 2005, and 3001 um, as they go through this very specific traumatic thing that happens and how they can overcome that because it was something I didn't have as a kid that I really wish I did. I think that's fantastic. And it's, you know, it's not the typical trope for these types of books. But from what I'm reading and understanding, you know, you really, again, are attributing a just kind of writing things that are relevant, but also fun for people to read too. And I love that this is what you chose to do. And, you know, I mean, you could have started a podcast or a YouTube channel, Um, not knocking any of that. Obviously we have a very successful one. Thank you. But you know what I'm saying? Like you sort of took the alternate path and decided I'm going to write a book, which is cool. Um, Again, just 
kind of going through your history and background, you know, you're, you're very classically trained. You studied the Meisner technique at the Actors Northwest studio. Uh, you are fluent in ASL sign language. Um, far more you have comp completed than most, I think at your age and probably me too. But how did you know that storytelling was something that you wanted to do? Like what, at what moment in your life uh, did you kind of figure this out? When I was a kid, it was something I just did. You know, your, sure. your mom takes you to do things and they keep asking, are you having fun? And you say, I am. And you just keep doing it. Yeah. Uh, a certain time period hit around my early teens where I was doing it and I was starting to get, you know, that rejection sensitivity dysphoria really hits that imposter syndrome of, am I going to make this work? I'm not getting exactly what I want. I'm getting a lot of no's. It starts to hit your insecurity, especially as you're becoming a young teen. And it was through that actual experience that I learned that being an artist, being an actor and being a storyteller could be so much more than just the audition grind. And that's when I really started to write because something that is so cool about writing is that no one can ever take it away from you. Right. I mean, these books that I've written or any of, I have, I have movies that I wrote 10 years ago now that haven't been made yet, but they could be made in another 10 years. And no sure. one can take that away from me versus in acting. A lot of the times we do auditions, we get so far in a process and then it's someone else on the big screen portraying that part we thought was ours. In a way it wasn't ever ours, but with writing, you never get that truly taken away from you. And so it made me appreciate both sides of it a lot more. I can now go into my auditions and say, Hey, this is fine. If this isn't for me, because right. I have a lot of stuff that is still mine and it doesn't take that part of my identity away from storytelling. I love that. Yeah. I mean, some of the greatest films have sat for years before they ever get made. And I think that's an important takeaway from our conversation for our listeners and viewers to think about, like, you know, that's the deal about when you create your own things, like, Nobody can touch that, really. You know what I'm saying? Like, it belongs to you. I mean, clearly, if you sell it or license it or whatever. But even then, yeah. really, it still is part of your world. As we wrap up here, I can't help but notice the scale hoverboard that you have in your background from Back to the Future. Uh, that is legit. Um, and, of course, the Creep Show and Back to the Future movie poster. So it's safe to say you're a movie buff. You like movies. I'm <laughs> I am a huge, I mean, I also love bad movies. I like to say that my, my two favorite films, well, I guess I have four. I have Back to the Future 1 and 2 are my first two favorite films. My third favorite film is Howl's Moving Castle, which is out of left field. And then my fourth is Daddy's Home 2. It got, I think, a 3% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> love that movie so much <laughs> that's hilarious yeah that's definitely some deep cuts but good ones <laughs> um i will not argue there well annalisa thank you so much for your time again we've been chatting with annalisa fisher they uh, can be seen in the upcoming uh netflix metal lords uh dropping this friday april 8th globally uh be sure to check them out they just do a fantastic job and this Film is amazing. Uh, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I had a good time. That brings today's show to a close. Goodly do. Thanks for stopping by. If you enjoyed the episode, feel free to share it with a friend and subscribe. It's absolutely free. The views and opinions of the guests do not necessarily reflect those of the host. Autobots, roll out. Go home.